1: At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during
2: band practice or at the dog park or wherever. Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum, restrictions may apply, subject to availability.
1: Get more ways to save at the Buy Five or More, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.
0: Hello and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show featuring Jason Zook. In uncertain times, we must change our focus and priorities. This show will highlight social justice issues with the goal of expanding minds and increasing unity, love and mutual respect for ourselves and our planet. We support the Black Lives Matter movement Our show aspires to promote social spirituality, which simply means that by coming together, we can solve any of our problems, including the goal of bringing an end to all forms of hate, discrimination, bias or oppression. We must protect our environment, reform our criminal justice system and protect every citizen from police brutality. When we come together, It becomes possible to bridge the gaps that plague our society and divide us from within. We the people means everyone.
1: Hello and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show. This is Jason Zook. It's a great pleasure I have the opportunity of presenting special guest, Julie Ryan, psychic and medical intuitive. Julie can sense what medical conditions and illnesses a person has and facilitate energetic healings. She can communicate with spirits both alive and dead. Julie can scan animals, access people's past lives and remove ghosts from homes and other buildings. And she can tell how close to death someone is. Her book, Angelic Attendance, what really happens as we transition from this life into the next, describes a series of events that involve angels, multitudes of deceased family and friends, the spirits of deceased pets and countless serendipitous and miraculous moments. Julie's children's books, Angel Messages for Kids and Angel Messages for Dogs, are picture books that have angels answering kids' tough questions. Each week, Julie scans callers on her Ask Julie Ryan podcast, which is heard by millions in over 100 countries throughout the world. Julie is a businesswoman, an inventor, an author, a podcaster, and a serial entrepreneur. Her surgical medical inventions, her surgical device inventions are sold globally. And she's founded nine companies in five different industries. Julie's psychic and medical intuitive skills are learned. I'm going to have all her contact information within the show notes. It's a great pleasure. I welcome Julie to the show. Welcome to the show, Julie. Thanks, Jason. I'm so delighted to be here with you. Delighted to have you on. I I, I was was saying to you before we started, uh, I get excited when I do my interviews. Like I know that sounds funny, but you know how you just love something and you get excited before you get to do it? I was, I woke up this morning and I'm looking at my schedule like, oh yeah, you're coming on today. And we get to have some amazing conversations about psychic stuff and your role as a medical intuitive and your background and spiritual journey. And I'm just so happy to have you here to share your information with our audience.
2: No, my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me.
1: I want to ask you, when did you first realize that you had some, that you had psychic abilities and gifts?
2: Never. I didn't. I learned how to do all of this stuff. So I tell people I'm I'm a businesswoman who learned how to do woo-woo when I'm a buffet <laughs> of psychicness. So it's true. You know how some psychics just talk to dead people or just get information downloaded like you do, or just are pet psychics or whatever I do at all. My feeling well, is when you connect with spirit, it's all the same energy. You just take it wherever you want. And actually, I teach a class online and teach people from all over the world how to do everything that I do in a month in four Saturdays. And the only prerequisite is you got to speak English because that's the only language that I speak. So a little wee, wee and, you know, CC, (laughs) but that's about it.
1: (laughs) How did you learn to be a medical intuitive?
2: I studied it for six years. Actually, I went through a formalized curriculum and uh, and learned how to do it. And then over that was 30 years ago and then have refined my skills since and and streamlined it. So what took me six years to learn, my students learn in four Saturdays, couple of hours. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like I I use the I talk in analogies a lot, Jason, because it gives our human minds a frame of reference for all this woo woo stuff that we do. And so my analogy for this is, you know, we communicated back in the day by. What carrier pigeon, and then we had the Wells Fargo wagon that would bring the mail and then the mail and whatever. And now we communicate online and via cell phones and stuff like that. So Zoom. we've we've you got Zoom right here, right? With our little setup. Exa- exactly. And so we've we've progressed quickly. The curriculum that I learned for medical intuitive were two in particular. One was uh put together by a woman named Barbara Brennan who's a former NASA physicist who wrote a book called Hands of Light and she talked about using quantum physics and using energy to help facilitate healing and so I read her book and then I called her school and I said is there anybody in my area teaching this stuff and lo and behold there was so I studied with my mentor Susan Crumpton for 3 years on that and then I studied kabbalistic healing, which is ancient Jewish mysticism and it was it's so powerful that it's not written. it's only oral tradition passed down through rabbis who were over 40 married and uh, I didn't fit into any of those categories. but I learned that. interestingly enough, there are many scholars that believe that Jesus learned, how to do Kabbalistic healing, you know how the Bible stops at like 12 for him and then picks it up when he's about 30. Yes. During that time, it's believed that he was in Egypt and also in India learning all kinds of modalities, not to negate that he was God, you know, especially for Christians that believe that, but, but that he was able to utilize a lot of his trainings in the healings that he did for people. Another interesting thing about that, just as an aside, if if you ever see a picture of Jesus and is holding up two fingers, um, that's the sign for Kundalini energy, which is Indian, which is ancient, way predates Christianity. So I find it interesting how a lot of this is all you know, intertwined. I was talking to somebody yesterday about how December 25th isn't really when Jesus was born. It was the date of the winter solstice. So the Christians incorporated that with the pagans, you know, to try and convert them. So I find that all interesting.
1: That dates back to ancient Rome. I and mean, we're talking, a long time ago. And in terms of the impact and influence of all that, just think how it's influenced our modern society when you think about things, right? Oh yeah.
2: Yeah. We were watching, my husband and I were watching a show last night about Bible hunters (laughs) and finding, you know, the, the scrolls, and the manuscripts that were in monasteries that date to like 2 AD and um, way, way earlier than a lot of the gospels as we know them.
1: I I think it's interesting everything you've just shared because everything you're talking about it resonates with me there's nothing that you didn't say or share that I'm like I I completely agree I think we're on the same wavelength with that stuff energy itself for me I just say to people when they ask me what do I do I don't limit myself just being a psychic medium because a lot of the things you that I described you in your intro I find over time I could do similar things and it's kind of like it's a jack of all trades into intuitive and spiritual. I have to say this observation, the fact that you have the ability to invent something and have been successful in all these other areas of your life. To me, I have a theory. And I believe that if you have a certain level of high intuition, you have adaptability in all aspects of one's life to be able to invent things, create things. High performing athletes, I believe, have a certain level of intuition within them that gives us all. I don't mean to say I'm an athlete. I'm not. But my psychic intuitive abilities give me certain things that I feel benefit me in all different sectors of my life. And I wanted to ask you, do you feel like your intuition has been a driving force to your success in other areas of your life?
2: Absolutely. But I didn't know that I had it when when a lot of it was happening I'm a girl with a communications degree that has invented surgical devices sold throughout the world that have been on the market for 30 years. How's that happen? Well, I get ideas. I mean, I knew what was going on in the market. I knew what the problems were. I knew how to fix it. I can hire engineers, which is what I did. And
1: You're visionary.
2: But I'm a visionary. I'm a CEO. I'm a visionary. Absolutely. And so people say, well, how do you do medical stuff? Because I always had my fingers in medical stuff, unbeknownst to me how valuable it would be at this point in my life, to your point about, you know, our experiences. I mean, I, I spent 30 years in and out of operating rooms testing prototypes, looking at what was right, what was wrong, teaching surgeons. Now I see healings in my mind's eye that emulate a lot of those procedures I saw in the operating room. So, you know, I mean, we're led every step of the way. And when we have a gut feeling on something and we don't follow it, we all come in with intuition. Exactly, It's part of our hardwiring. And when we don't follow it, most of the time we regret it. Now, having said that, there are no mistakes in life because we're all exploring and experiencing things that are part of something that we came in to explore and experience. So there's no wrong way to do it. And so I find that fascinating as well.
1: You know, endorphins at the gym when you work out, you get in our conversation, I feel endorphins off your energy. It's like charging for me. I I can feel energy for people. And I I don't know if that's my empathic side, but I feel like your energy is very positive and supercharged and very, you know, uplifting to say the least. So
0: that.
1: that that's just something, but I know when you deal with being a medical intuitive and being able to communicate with pets, and then you own all these companies and you've created these things. Do you share that in mainstream society? Are you like, how is your role with being an intuitive and being a business and entrepreneurial person? Like, do you find that there's different segments of society that look kind of like you've got to explain things to them in order for them to understand it? Or how's been your take on that?
2: Great question. I was worried about that when I first sold my medical device manufacturing company several years ago. And I thought, okay, I'm going to dip my toe in this. I was being led to write angelic attendance. And it took me a lot of years to get enough golden ovary courage. You know, guys have breast balls and girls have golden ovaries to get enough courage. Cause I thought, oh my God, people are just going to think I'm nuts. And I live in the deep South. I thought I'm going to have these men on horseback, you know, with white hoods on their heads burning across my front yard. Fortunately, that hasn't happened. But anyway, I, I really had a fear about it, and I was lecturing at a big business conference. There were hundreds of CEOs and C-suite executives in the room for one of my companies. And, you know, I'm on this stage with double jumbotrons and the whole nine yards. And and my greatest fear, Jason, was somebody was going to see my AskJulieRyan.com website and come up and ask me about it and go, okay, yeah, you know, she's really like, she's a kook. So anyway, so I'm at this conference in Austin. I finished my talk, goes great. This guy comes up to me afterwards. He's got his his iPad and it's open to ask Julie Ryan. And he said, is this you? And I want to say, duh, it's my picture. And I'm thinking, oh God, here we go. So I said, yes, it is. And he said, well, I'm fascinated in this stuff. Can we sit together at lunch? And I said, Sure. So I sat together with him, and they were roundtables of eight. Was seven male CEOs and me talking about woo woo the whole luncheon. Not one comment about what was going on at the conference or what was being said. It was all about woo woo. (laughs) And I thought, okay, God, that's just telling me, you know, this is a fake fear. Give it up. Let it go it's very rarely that I'll have somebody give me a hard time about the woo-woo stuff. I find that most people are very interested in it. And every once in a while, I mean, if it happens once a year, that's a lot. I'll I'll have somebody say, well, you have to prove this to me. And I'll say, well, really, I don't. (laughs) If you're interested, I'm happy to talk to you about it. If you're not, let's talk about the weather or sports or whatever else you want to discuss. But I have no need to prove anything to you. I'm happy to help you if you'd like, and then I'll say maybe this isn't for you. And then they're like, no, 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 I'm really interested. I want to talk to you about it. <laughs> so it's it's a non-event.
1: I get. I'll give you. Uh, recently, I do depositions via Zoom during my, yeah. lawyer, my lawyer job. I put my lawyer hat on. Business right. And my Zoom sometimes when I do that, Jason's like the social psychic shows up for the deposition with the court reporter and the attorney and the other side. And I mean, I'm pretty public about who I am because of my podcast, but it's still in a deposition. I don't know the attorney on the other side. And I'm like, so they they sometimes make jokes like, who's Jason Zook, the social psychic? And my first time I got kind of embarrassed. I signed off Zoom and changed it and went back on because I don't want to deal with it. I just pretended I didn't know what they were talking about. Finally, I owned up to it recently. I go, oh, I have a psychic podcast. And I left it at that. but it's like, kind of like admit, like you said, that fear, even in me (laughs) doing the podcast for four years and giving readings to the public, all my lawyer colleagues I'm close with, they all know. And in fact, they privately schedule readings with me. Mm -hmm. So that's not even an issue, but it is funny when you describe your interaction with certain people that have the curiosity and then they act like they either um, don't have an interest, but they want you to still read for them because they're curious and they yeah. want to know more, or you'll have the people who are like, you have to prove something to me. And I'm like, I don't have to prove anything to you. You're my Uber driver. Exactly. <laughs> I owe you nothing. Just exactly. take me to point B. Uh, it just depends. Like I, I was going to ask you, like, what has been the most rewarding thing for you now that you're doing more of this stuff after selling your medical device company? What's been more rewarding for you uh, diving into deep end of spirituality, basically?
2: The people that I get to meet around the world—it's just been remarkable. The people that every everybody has needs and wants, and and the people that reach out. Some of the stories that I hear, that I get emails, are just heart wrenching. And if I can help provide one little teeny iota of comfort to them, you know what a blessing for me. To have the opportunity to do that. Furthermore, the people that I've met, like you, who are in this space, and what remarkable people, you know, I mean, everybody's remarkable. I love to hear people's stories. So I talk to individual clients all day long. during the weekdays. And it's so fun to get to know people and hear, hear their stories and hear about their families and hear what's going on and then hopefully help them in some way. And, uh, and then to get to meet everybody through this, this whole social media thing and the the podcasting and the radio shows and the globalness of it. And it's really been a remarkable journey. I can't say that I enjoy, have enjoyed one thing more than another. Everything's been an adventure and everything's been fun. And then I'm led to the next thing. So it's just, I think when we're done creating, we die.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Absolutely. What do you, what do you see for your future in terms of your goals with what you're doing right now? I mean, you've done a lot in your career. Where do you see yourself going in the next five years?
2: Wherever I'm led, I don't. This is the first thing I've ever done, Jason. Where I don't have a business plan, you know. Every business plan, nobody ever follows them. I mean, I've started nine companies. Nobody ever follows them because life happens. <laughs> Even the big companies don't follow them. They need them for the investors and they need them for the banks. That's the only one for the financial people. So this is the first thing I've ever done where I don't have a plan. I'm just being led. I was led to write angelic attendance. That's a fun story I'd love to share with you. There's, you know, I was led to write the children's book. I was led to do a podcast. I was led to do a class. I have stories around all of those, of how I was led to those. And and I'm led to be doing um, right now, we were talking offline before we started recording that I'm in the process of doing an an online self paced training. That's wow. important. Um, I'm led to do that. I'm like, more, yeah. more of that.
1: Yeah. As you go forward, it's going to be in a lot of different areas. You're going to have people help you and assist you you hire under you that's going to help you ghostwrite some stuff, but you're going to have a lot of a quality content that you're putting out there. And I feel like you wouldn't even, you may even have people sign up for like a bunch of courses. That's yeah. what I, as You just said that I saw growth there and I see you having that opportunity of having like an institute kind of thing, like an online institute. And you'll teach people how to do all the things that you've learned in consolidated fashion and with your own touch on it because you're good at helping people understand concepts quickly. You communicate effectively with your methodologies. Well,
2: thanks, boss. I, uh, I'm using your energy right now. No, I, I know. I love. I love that. What a treat! I uh, I do have, as I was mentioning, I do have my quarterly training that I limit to twelve people, and that's in person. You know, on Zoom, and people all over the world. I think we've had people from ten countries. But the online thing is new. It's a lot less expensive, and so it's going to be in different segments where people can access it. Much yeah.
1: more accessible if you, if you put it in a range where it's so accessible, everybody's going to like want to have a taste of it, kind of. Yeah, so yeah. you're going to have a marketing team for it, so you're going to invest money into marketing it and it's going to go out there. Thanks, hope so. Not to throw the reading into the interview, I, I've been doing that the last few months. I just pick up energy and then I'll just share what I get during the interview. Oh, yeah. I
2: love it, it's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. please continue.
1: <laughs> what well, I, I want to ask you how you how you did your book. Let's talk about that because I know you said yeah, yeah let's talk about that that's
2: it. that's a fun that's a fun story. I was with my mentor this is a long time ago, 10 years ago, longer even and uh, my mother died in 2002 six months after my beloved grandmother passed. And so I watched what happened as my mother was dying. And that's what started what I call the 12 phases of transition, how we're surrounded by angels and deceased loved ones and the spirits of deceased pets as we are transitioning. And we can talk more about that. So anyway, so I met Susan, my mentors, and, and I always have my deceased loved ones in the room. They're facilitating the healing and helping her. And I would lay on a uh, um, massage table face up and my deceased loved ones would be on either side of the table. Put my guardian angels over my head and I can see all these people and so can Susan, all these spirits. So one day this dead Pope shows up, Jason, and he's got the whole Pope outfit on the hat, the vestments. He's got the shepherd's rod, the whole nine yards. And I said to him, well, who are you? And he said, I'm Clement. And I said, okay, I'll never heard of a Pope Clement you know, can I help you? And he laughed and he said, yeah, I was number six. I said, okay. Kind of like, why are you here? And he said, you're supposed to teach the world what happens when somebody dies. And I said, my immediate response back to your previous question was, I'm not doing that. I'm a (laughs) businesswoman. People are going to think I'm nuts. And he said, oh yeah, yeah, whatever. Just get on with it. So, Susan could see him and hear him too. And I'm like, what the heck was that? So I get in my car to go home, Jason. And I Googled just for kicks, Pope Clement VI. Come to find out the guy was in office during the Black Plague when two-thirds of Europe died. And he's best known for his prayers for the dying and his prayers for the dead. And I'm thinking, okay, Ryan, you can't make that up. I mean, that's too random.
1: Way too... (laughs)
2: So (laughs) so he kept prodding me throughout the years to do this book. And I'm like, oh, I just, I don't want to put myself out there. So one day, one Sunday I was at church. I was in between my son and my husband from the pulpit. The priest is talking about, do you think that wouldn't it be nice if somebody could tell us if our deceased loved ones and angels are there? to greet us and lead us into paradise, like the in paradisum prayer talks about at the end of every Roman Catholic funeral, I'm getting elbowed from my son and my husband. And so I'm saying, okay, God, really from the pulpit. All right. All right. All right. So I did. And the fun thing about it, Jason, is it provides so much comfort, angelic attendance, my book does to people who either have a loved one who's dying or have just lost a loved one. And another interesting thing that I didn't see coming was it's used in churches. My church gives a copy to every family that comes in to plan a funeral. It's used in churches throughout the country and even abroad. It's used in churches of all denominations and synagogues. And I have... Uh, people that from churches and synagogues email me all the time and say, "Hey, we're using your book in Bible study, or we're using your book in our book club. Can we buy a bunch of them at a discounted rate?" And of course, I'm thrilled to give it to them. So, yeah, it's been really fun to watch all that unfold.
1: How amazing of a download story is that? That's what I consider. I consider that a download story when you when you interact with Pope Clement and you also had this awakening in the sense of being aware that life after death, it, I consider death a transition. I never- it is. Yeah, final And everything that you're talking about, about your deceased loved ones staying in contact and helping you through the other side and yeah. even animals. I, I believe I have experienced that as well. When I do enough readings with people from the other side and my own grandfather and my own relatives that I, I forgave my dad, who I never had a relationship with eight years after he died during the pandemic, I meditated a lot and he kept asking me for forgiveness. And I finally gave it to him. Yeah. And now we're so close. It's kind of interesting to explain that because I didn't have a relationship with him when I was alive, when he was yeah. alive. So well, Pope
2: Clement. Has continued to be my main spirit guide, and he treats me like a Nike ad, Jason. When I tell him I can't do something, he'll say, "Just do it." I'll say, "Okay." So
1: he's your muse.
2: Well, he he's the one that really leads me. You know, do the training, do this, do that. Right? I I the children's books came about because I had so many moms. That were saying, can you explain, can you come up with a children's book, a picture book that can help me explain to my child what happens when somebody dies? Because we'll be at my grandmother's funeral and we'll say, okay, Johnny, grandma's in heaven now with the angels. And John will say, no, she's not. She's in that box up there asleep, you know, at the, at the funeral home. Or how do children know information about past lives that can be corroborated with online historic documents and how do children know about spirits that come, they supposedly come to visit them. And, um, these children know information that there's no way they could know because like your dad, you know, they were gone before this child was even bored and these child can't, these children can't read yet. So that's what's come out. Angel messages for cats is coming out the end of the year because I am catching, you know, some grief from people saying, Hey, you've written one about dogs and kids. What about the cat lovers? I was, My best right. friend
1: will love that book. She has like several cats and I know she, she's very closer and they will love. I'll be telling her about this after our interview. I'll be you yeah. get it. I that when it comes out. When are you expecting that to come out?
2: It'll come out at the holidays. Okay. Late, late November, early December. So, so the training and everything, when I'm being led to do something, I'll I'll bring Clement in and I'll say, Am I supposed to do a training? And he'll say, Yeah. (laughs) I'll say, Well, how I don't even know where to start. Oh, yeah, I can't do this. Blah, 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 blah. So he said, do this, 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 use Zoom. That was before Zoom was a thing, way before the pandemic, you know, like a year before the pandemic. Do it online, limit it to 12 people, charge this amount do this, do that, do this. And then he said, and started on this date, which was 10 days out from when I'm having this conversation with him. And I said, <laughs> I can't get it together that fast. He's like, just do it. And so I said, I, I'm giving him all these reasons. He said, I don't want to hear it. Just do it. So my webmaster was, was available. We put a page up like on a Sunday so I'm talking to Clement on Tuesday or Wednesday. We put the page up on Sunday. I mentioned it on my show on Thursday. Within 48 hours of the page going up on my website, I had eight people sign up for it from like four countries, and pay a lot of money. And I'm and I, so I said to Clement, "Okay, okay, okay, I'm on it." You know, and now add it spiritually. I was guided. And now we're, I'm signing up for a class. I believe it's, uh, 14. Cause I teach it once a quarter. So, so that's an example of, you know, how I'm led. And then of course I tell him why I can't do it. And then he's going, yeah, whatever, just make it happen. So I do,
1: as you said that I see growth even more. I'll see 20, students i'll see other people that you train that become instructors with you i think you'll have an an institute i keep saying that i keep getting that around your energy you'll do like an online institute like some of these other people have and you'll certify people because keep in mind when it comes intuitive stuff it's not like you can go to like the university of alabama (laughs) and get certified to be spiritual you can't do it it just doesn't exist there's no curriculum that's standardized because society itself hasn't understood this whole aspect of things, they only look at the 3d world, they don't look at mind, body, spirit, they don't look at things in transition when we cross over. So there's a lot of misunderstanding there. And I would love to have something credible within a university setting someday in our lifetime. I think it'd be great.
2: It's starting. It's starting. It Have that in London.
1: In the UK. Yeah,
2: London and the University of Minnesota has a program that's spiritual that you can take, you know, not like a certification thing. Reiki yeah. is taught in a lot of nursing schools it. and um and medical schools. The University of Alabama, Birmingham, I'm in Birmingham. My physician uh has invited me to come talk to her interns and residents when they come in about energy healing. And so I have a lot of physicians that will recommend that their, their patients call me or have an appointment with me. And so I see the work that I do on that, in that niche, the medical niche as part of the healing equation. And so I think it's, it's becoming more and more widespread because when somebody has a healing and it really makes a difference and then they tell others and then others, you know, spread it. It's, it's interesting how it's coming. My daughter-in-law is a veterinarian and they had uh, acupuncture um, practitioners come in and energy healers come in to her veterinary school when she was in school and talk to them. So I think it's coming. We may not see it in our lifetime, but it certainly has begun.
1: You know, it was the first thing I'm a very curious soul. So when I first started doing the spiritual stuff uh, about, I guess, four years ago at this point, almost. I remember the first thing I, I was like thinking to myself, yeah, I could read for people psychically, you know, intuitively, but I want to learn as much as possible because this is a whole area of, of knowledge that I had no knowledge of. So it was interesting. This a year and a half before I started my podcast, which by the way, taught me tons after the last four years of having amazing guests like yourself. I learned from every guest that comes on my show. It, I helped shape my vision of things by people I learned from like people coming on to talk and share stuff with my audience, our audience. I learn in the process from every interview, sure. I'm sure you know, you understand that with your show or just people you interact with. And so when I hear you talking about this stuff, I just think to myself, we need more people like you out there to educate the general public on these things because it's important and critical. And I'm so happy you have your one book out and you're doing the courses. And I think you're going to be doing it in the podcast. So you're already creating a lot of content that's going to get out there even more. And I see it just growing. I don't see anything halting your growth and success and i see what you're doing now add several zeros exponential growth to them because that's what i can see for you and i also think you're going to be involved in in conferences and and thought things and when i say thought things i mean you know like how people have their ideas that they express and, and share beyond a podcast but maybe not an infomercial but you'll have something on tv even i wouldn't doubt it on cable channels where you talk about these ideas and probably lead it to one of your classes or something. So, but it's not an infomercial. It's a show. Thank
2: you. Thank you. And I think it's interesting too, that people like you and like me that have a traditional business background and a traditional educational background that we're doing this stuff because uh, not to negate somebody who, you know, wears a turban and sits in a and chants under crystals all day, but I think it's more palatable sometimes to the general public when you've got a lawyer who's yeah. doing woo-woo, or you've got <laughs> somebody who's a businesswoman doing woo-woo, it, it's a different feel to it. And, and uh, Yeah. You know what?
1: I've set clear boundaries between my lawyer and my woo-woo, as you call it. It's funny Uh because one of my college friends over the years. He and I know each other 20 years, and I became more intuitive as we know each other. He calls it juju. So they're very close. Yeah, (laughs) I'll go with woo-woo. And it's funny because when I do this stuff, I I set parameters because I'm like, the ethics rules for attorneys don't have anything about psychic lawyers. So therefore, they're separate things. I'm compartmentalizing. it, So that's how I do it, the way I do it. Um, Setting boundaries for myself. And for people i work with so any psychic guest clients that i work with or whatever i don't give legal advice and anyone who's legally working with me i don't give psychic advice they're just two different hats that if you want a psychic i'll refer you to somebody and if it's a psychic client wants a lawyer i'll refer you to somebody like yeah. I, that's how i handle it just yeah. ethically try to protect that aspect of things because you can have somebody you never know people can confuse things oh my lawyer told me psychic x or my psychic told me i don't want that to ever happen to me so that's why i keep them very separate
2: well, and I read your blog, which was excellent, by the way, about ethics in the psychic community. And I uh, I uh, subscribe to the same, especially when it comes to medical stuff. I, I operate under HIPAA. Everything's confidential. Well, with any client, but especially the medical stuff. And when I ask, if, like if you say, hey, can you scan my friend? I'm going to telepathically ask your friend for permission. And if your friend says, yes, I will. If your friend says, no, I won't, I won't scan them. I'm like a human MRI. It's like, I can see x-rays and CT scans and MRIs in my head, but we can talk to your friend's spirit. And the reason why I, I believe that that's ethical, Jason is because if you have pneumonia and I'm talking to you about how you feel, you're going to tell me what you want me to know, but I'm not going to be looking at your chest x-ray without your permission. Absolutely. And it's the same with this. And so I am very rigid in the ethics Excellent. of everything I because, because I think that that's what we need to do because when somebody is is talking with us it's really personal stuff. And they're vulnerable. They're vulnerable. They're vulnerable.
1: So they have to learn Absolutely. to trust us and know that we're never going to take their information or tell them you know, misadvice. That's why I, I consider it such an important thing when someone reads someone else. It's not something you just do at a party. <laughs> well, I,
2: I agree. And and I turn my abilities on and off at will. I don't walk around scanning people. It's none of my business. I don't want to know. And imagine how obnoxious that would be in a crowd of people.
1: <laughs> you know? and, you know,
2: so, you're right. Um, Some of these psychics will drive up to the the um, um, McDonald's, you know, (laughs) drive-through window, and they'll say, "Oh, you know, your dead grandmother's standing there behind you." And I'm like, "Really? That's just like an invasion of their amateur privacy." (laughs) Well, and I know it's being done for TV for the entertainment value, but no, I never. And people will say to me, "Well, what do you see?" I don't see anything. I don't have my radar turned
1: on. I just yeah. say, I read energy. I don't know if you define it like that to yourself, but I, I I simplify what I do. So people can't feel offset by it. Like that. I don't have some mystical abilities. I read energy. You're made of energy. I'm made of energy. Everything in the universe is constant. That's what I do. I, t- I somehow have an ability to tune into energy. when you tune into energy, you can pick up a bunch of different things. And that's what I say to people.
2: Yeah. Well, no, my, you know, I'm like a human MRI. So I can see broken bones, torn ligaments, viral infections, bacterial infections, you know, organs that are failing, cancer, metastasized, whatever. So no, I turn my radar on and off. I do have a fun story though, about turning my radar on and off. May I share it with you? Yes, please. It was that same trip when I was in Austin doing that, um, that talk. I was at the Driscoll Hotel, D-R-I-S-K-I-L-L, the Driscoll Hotel, which is an a, a old historic hotel in Austin. LBJ used to watch the election returns there. And it was founded by a guy named Colonel Driscoll, who made his millions off of selling cattle to the Confederate army. So I'm in there, I'm having lunch, I'm by myself and I'm reading the history. They have this little brochure and I'm reading the history of the hotel. And I read, well, they have visiting psychics that used to come to their spa at the turn of the 20th century. I thought, cool. So after lunch, I asked the concierge if if somebody could give me a tour and the little bellman, this young guy said, yeah, he'd be glad to. So we did. So I, th- when you go in the lobby, there's this huge portrait of Colonel Driscoll and then the stairway goes up, you know, it's one of those double stairways goes up both sides. So I saw Colonel Driscoll, we go upstairs and we're in the this foyer area to all the ballrooms and, uh, and I'm smelling cigar smoke and I'm thinking there is no way they're going to let somebody smoke a cigar inside this this or any hotel, at that matter, for that matter. So I turned on my radar. Here comes Colonel Driscoll's spirit walking through this foyer area, and I thought, okay, wonder what else I'm gonna be able to see. So I we went into all the different ballrooms. and one ballroom, we went in had these big, huge mirrors. I believe there were eight of them, huge gold leaf mirrors. And this bellman said we believe these came from Emperor Maximilian's palace in Mexico City. I never knew there was an emperor Maximilian <laughs> alone. Did he have a palace in Mexico city? So I'm saying, okay, cool. And, um, and there's a cameo at the top of the mirrors. All the mirrors have a cameo carved into them. And I said, he said, we believe that was his wife, Carlotta. And I'm getting, I'm hearing this in Carlotta. This is his girlfriend, Lucinda. So I said, have you ever heard of a Lucinda? And he said, no. So I called both Carlotta and Lucinda in and their spirits came in right away, Jason. And they had on antebellum dresses, you know, hoop skirts, silk, jewels, the whole nine yards. And so, and they looked like they were big buddies. And I said, who is that? And Lucinda said, it's me. Okay, great. So I saw a bunch of other stuff in there. So I leave there, I go to a store to run in for an errand and I start talking to this woman in the parking lot. She said, in a beautiful day, yes, yes, fine. I'm visiting from Birmingham. She was part of the Historical Society for Austin. She said, welcome to town. I said, thanks. I just had lunch at the Driscoll. She goes, oh, you know, that place is haunted. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I'm a psychic and I just saw this stuff. And so I started telling her. She said, I'm a publisher. There's a book that's just gone to press about the history of the Driscoll Hotel. Would you be willing to write an afterword for it? This is in the parking lot of a Trader Joe's, mind you. And I said, sure. So the next day I finished my talk. I'm on the plane on the way back to Birmingham. I wrote it out on the plane, get home, researched Lucinda Carlotta, Emperor Maximilian. There's so much historical data on Lucinda being Emperor Maximilian's long-term mistress. So I submitted the article, you know my afterward to this woman, and it's in the book. It's published. Wow. Now tell me to your point about informing the public. Tell me what the chances of not only me, but that that that's in synchronicity.
1: That's synchronicity. Right. That's what I see. I see that as synchronicity that you're led on your path for a reason and you're being rewarded by the universe for what you're doing and you're helping the universe because you're an arm, an instrument of the universe of God, or what do you want to call it? And you're helping guide people through your path. And that's synchronicity right there. Like we're we're teamed up for this interview today, synchronicity. Yeah. Exactly. I think That's my personal thought process.
2: Yeah. I always say, you can't make this it. stuff up. You know, it's oh. too, it's too out there.
1: But Lucinda, I want to ask you something. Was there anything connected to her? Who was a merchant, someone in her family, a merchant, like a father, brother, or somebody?
2: I don't know. I didn't, didn't research her.
1: Off her information as you were talking yeah. about. I, I didn't,
2: re- I didn't research her, but, but the thing that was interesting because back then, you know, mistresses were commonplace, especially in the, you know, in the aristocrat um, sphere and they were buddies. I mean, they were just, they were laughing and it was a riot. Yeah. It looked like, uh-huh. it, it looked like ball gowns, like out of gone with the wind, with the, the silk and the jewels and the whole nine yards. It was, it was wild.
1: I want to ask you what are the 12 phases of transition? So I don't think we got actually to get into that.
2: Yeah. They are what everybody goes through as we're dying, Jason. We're surrounded by angels and deceased loved ones and the spirits of deceased pets. Our spirit and our body are holographically intertwined. And I went through 12 years of Catholic schools and I was taught that the spirit is someplace in the chest area. But what I perceive is that the spirit's the main part of us and the body's inside the spirit the spirit is the power source for the body but it's all it's all holographic so when somebody's dying their spirit exits out through the top of the head most people that have heard or read something about near death experiences it's very common to hear about the person experiencing going through a tunnel i believe that's what's happening as we are transitioning and it looks like a cartoon caption bubble where the the words or the thoughts of the the um, person, you know, in the cartoon where those are located, it hangs on attached to the top of the head, and then the person's closest maternal spirit shows up. If their mother is still alive, it'll be their maternal grandmother. If she's still alive, it'll be their maternal grandmother's grandmother. Always on the maternal line. Then the closest paternal spirit shows up again on the maternal line, and then the mother spirit is the maternal spirit is the one that calls in the angels and other deceased loved ones. And they go through this configuration of the angels when they come in, these are big old angels. As I perceive them, you know, they look to me like what a Catholic school girl would think they look like big wings, tall hair coming down to their shoulders. And it's important to note that is that really what angels look like? Who knows? That's what they look like to me because it's my frame of reference. It's what I was taught angels look like. Somebody growing up in the Amazon may see it as a blob of green energy or something, you know, from a different culture. So, anyways, these angels are in a circle and then they open into a horseshoe and eventually a straight line. Other thousands and thousands of spirits come. I call them the Welcome to Heaven Committee. Deceased pets spirits are there. And uh, and then along about phase nine or so, there are two extra spirits that are angels that show up on either side of the spirit bubble and their wings start to move. And as they move, they create an upward pull. Uh, it could create a vortex and that helps the spirit separate from the body. Interesting point about that. The first time I saw all of this was when my own mother was dying and I thought, in 2002 and I thought oh my god am i having a hot flash that's lasting all day or you know <laughs> is this is this like am i hallucinating what is going going on here but as as it continued to change i knew i was really witnessing something and my mom was a teacher and a principal so that was her parting gift to me you know was to show me all of this with her but the interesting thing about the vortex jason is it feels I can feel the upward pull and I can see it. It reminds me of being in a car wash when you're in your car and yes. you get to the end and you know the dryer's sucking all the water off your car. That's what it feels like. But when I was writing angelic attendance, I researched it reminds me of a giant owl with their wings, you know, silent, but really you can almost feel the drag when you watch them sure. fly. So I Googled, I was led, I was led to Google, um, Giant owl. I love wing this. Vortex. Come, <laughs> come to find out, there's this thing called the wingtip vortex that every bird, every bug, every plane, every jet, every kite, anything that flies, the movement of the wings creates a, a vortex underneath that causes lift. I'm watching the angel wings move, cause these vortices that help. The body separate from the spirit, and then those two angels carry the person off to heaven. And I was like, "Holy Moses, this is amazing!" And then to find, you know, and you Google wingtip wing vortex, there are tens of thousands, if not more, aeronautical engineering drawings, you know, articles, books about this stuff. So I I thought that was fascinating. That I'm watching something in the spiritual world. That's causing a phenomenon I can feel in the physical world and it's helping the body separate. So important point about the 12 phases of transition. If we remember that there's no time in the spirit world, time is a human creation. The 12 phases can happen instantly, like in the case of a homicide or suicide, or they can happen over days, weeks, months, even years. I had a gal call into my show for two years. Her dad was in phase 11 of 12. He had Alzheimer's and he for two years, but in the spirit world, it's not a thing. Time isn't a thing. You know, it's a blip on the radar screen. If that. So it's, it's fascinating with the 12 phases of transition. And I, and these, all these graphics are on my website, ask julieryan.com. And of course they're described in detail in angelic attendance, my book, but people will text me or call into my show or say my grandmother's dying can you tell me what phase she's in i'll say okay she's phase 7 of 12 or she's phase 9 why that's helpful is because as you know when somebody's dying a lot of the family and friends want to come say goodbye before the person leaves and so Sometimes they have to take time off work, travel vast distances, you know, get on a plane, whatever. And it really helps the family know how close it is. So it's been, it's been really remarkable. Those stories I hear about families who've used this information. May I tell you one quick story about a family? (laughs) Okay this, this was a friend of mine and, and her, uh, brother, her sister-in-law was dying. She had brain cancer. And so, uh, I had gone over to see the family. They they live here in Birmingham and I'd seen the family. She couldn't communicate for the last couple of years of her life, but I was communicating with her telepathically. And she told the family she wanted to wear this certain nightgown and robe when she was dying. She only wanted her husband with her in the room. She wanted him in the bed with her when she was dying. She wanted peach roses, only peach roses at her funeral from the family. I mean, all this specific stuff that she wanted.
1: So,
2: so the night she was dying, my friend Tara Uh, texted me and she said, we're giving everybody the 12 phases of transition chart when they come to the house. And she, and this is a big Italian family, like 11 kids and all their spouses. And like, you know, she said, there are a hundred people in this house. She said, normally this family would be bouncing off the walls, but she said, somebody walks in the door, we pass them the chart. They get it. They understand it. She said, I have never seen so much peace and love in a gathering of this family in the 30 years I've been part of it. And she said, it's all because people can see these charts and they can see what's going on. Furthermore, the 12 phases of transition, I believe, are what a very ancient prayer called in Paradisum describes that said at the end of every Roman Catholic funeral. When I was researching um, some things for angelic attendance, I thought, okay, wh- where did this prayer start? The first time I really paid attention to it was at my mother's funeral. And I thought, holy Moses, I saw this happen with my mother, what the prayer describes Talks about the angels and your loved ones will greet you and lead you into paradise. So I researched it and I, and I discovered that it was originated as a fifth century Gregorian chant. So I have to believe, Jason, that perhaps it took until the fifth century for people to be well-educated enough that they could read or write. And certainly some of the most well-educated people back then were men living in monasteries and synagogues. They were the scribes. And so I have to believe that people have been able to see these 12 phases of transition since the beginning of time, and we're coming back around You know, as we've become more well-educated We've become we become more proof-based. We want to see proof for things. So so that that's a long answer to I love your it. question.
1: I have to I have to say a couple of things. I take notes while you're talking. Once again, a yeah. couple of things. One, I agree there's no time on the other side. Two, I think of our bodies like the Cadbury egg, the spiritual essence of the insides, like what's inside the egg. I always say that as, a, as my own little thing. When you were talking about going on Google and being led, I call that intuitive Googling because I do the same thing. Yeah. And- I just say a lot of the stuff you're talking about, I, it resonates and I believe we're directly connected with our loved ones. I believe that our loved ones all transition us. I believe that they greet us. I believe that there's a plethora of them, that there's an indefinite amount. I also believe that when you're on the other side, because I've had two near death, uh, uh, near near death experiences, uh, it's just a wave of unconditional love that washes over you. That's what I felt each time. I felt unconditional love in a way that words can't describe the enormity of it, but it shapes who you are afterwards? It, it's a life-changing aspect of things. It, it really is a life-changing event. So everything you talked about really resonates, and I appreciate you sharing that. It's not just a story. That to me is a, a explanation <laughs> by a, by a, a explanation by example. Actually, a lot of things yeah. you described, the vortices and all that. I I love it. I love it. I I have to ask you this. What has been the most rewarding aspect of what you're doing in the spiritual sense? Like what's been the most exciting thing that you get excited about on a daily basis and and just in general?
2: That I get to meet people. What well, I was saying earlier. The people that I get to meet and and get to know and and friends who've become dear friends that I've met through this journey because they've either taken my class or I've met them like this, like you and I are going to stay connected. I promise you that. Um, It's just been remarkable. The people that I've gotten to meet, that's been the most fun of all of it, but, but all of it is fun. People will say to me, I listened to your show. And, and a lot of times I'll hear, I can be in a in a bad mood or depressed or something. And I turn on your show and it just makes me feel better.
1: It raises said, your elevation. You're, you're, that's you're- right.
2: And I say, well, that's because I'm scanning people all over the world. You know, I'm bing banging, bing bonging around, and my energy level is so cranked up. The people get that. The other thing that I hear from people a lot is it's you make everything so fun. And I said, Well, spirit is fun. You know, a spirit is pure love, pure love, pure joy. Everything can be healed. Every situation has an an experience to it that benefits us. So there's no reason to feel badly. I mean, spirit is pure love and pure joy. We're supposed to have fun. People say, well, you know, other psychics are so serious. I go, well, it works for them, but I think (laughs) it's supposed to be fun.
1: I'd rather life, laugh my whole life, right? Exactly. To things than to look at things in such an austere way. That's just my my attitude about life and spirituality and living where we are right now. On this Absolutely, period.
2: people people say, well, but it's so depressing with all the stuff going on in the world and all of that. You know, the pandemic, the blah 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 blah. And I go, I look at it like I'm in the middle of a Tom Clancy novel and I'm watching a movie. Ooh, isn't that interesting? Wonder what's going to happen next. What about that? <laughs> And it it works because I know it's all unfolding perfectly. And in some way it's benefiting us. Even if we can't understand it right now, we will, we're being led. It's all unfolding perfectly.
1: I believe we're in a spiritual Renaissance. Do you believe that as well? I do very much so. Yes. I'm excited. I want I, I am going to have our audience have your information, Ryan.com and all your social media information, my show notes, so they'll be able to access that. I wanted to ask if there's anything else that our audience can do to get in touch with you other than your website and your social media. Is there anything else that they should know that's coming up other than your other book that's coming out soon for, for cats?
2: Yeah. Well, um, my class, Angelica attendant Training, we're enrolling people for April. Right now, April of 2022, I teach it quarterly. October is full, January is full, April's starting to fill up. That is just remarkable. It is so much fun. And it also, you'll be able to do everything in the buffet of psychicness. And it, it gets you into a community of people that's global, that uh, have all gone through the class. And we have a private Facebook group. And then there's something that online five days a week where that are practice sessions and they just do remarkable things in there and they've all, you know, bonded and it's really, really a a tremendous community. So there's that I'm working on my online self-tutorial training. And then I'd love to offer to any of your listeners, Jason, that's interested. If you'd like a copy of angelic attendance, what really happens as we transition from this life to the next, or Either of my children's books, Angel Messages for Dogs, Angel Messages for Kids, they're really darling. Look at these illustrations. Every every page is an an individual painting, an actual painting. I have the originals from my illustrator. Just just go to AskJulieRyan.com, click on the Ask Julie button. And just say you heard me on Jason's show, and you'd like a copy of the book, and we'll send you a free digital and audiobook download. Absolutely. And it's a gift for your you. your listeners, and and I I hope you enjoy it. And absolutely, um, we appreciate
1: yeah. that tremendously. And I thank you, you for that to our audience, and I will make sure our audience uh, hopefully pursues and picks that up, including myself. Absolutely. And thank you, thank you. I just want to thank Julie for coming on the show today, sharing her amazing wealth of experiences and knowledge, angelic attendance, what really happens as we transition from this life into the next. Well, we were talking about that today while we were discussing this and the other topics we covered, I believe wholeheartedly that what Julie's describing is accurate and real because a lot of the overlap that she's describing I've experienced myself. And I know spiritually when you can tune in and understand that death's not the final step, that there's a, a transition that occurs and that it, it is something that is a positive experience filled with love and unconditional love, actually, you, you, you will be tuning into the vibrational frequency of what Julie's talking about. She has a very broad breadth of experience and knowledge that I wish the audience to be more aware of. So definitely check out AskJulieRyan.com, click on the Ask Julie button and let Julie know through her website that you've been on the show and that you listen to this episode so that you can get a free download of both her books, actually her three books. But thank you so much for tuning into this episode. And I just look forward to having people like Julie on more frequently because her knowledge and experience is what we're here for. We're here to learn. We're here to be guided and to expand our own viewpoints and paradigms. And that's why I'm so happy to have these opportunities to share this with our audience, because I really want to expand all our viewpoints on the topics of spirituality, the afterlife, things that sometimes people fear, there's nothing to fear. Everything's natural. Everything's part of the universe. Everything's part of the whole, the collective gestalt, as you call it. And the more we can understand that, the better we'll be as we go through life with this journey that we call life and then beyond. So stay positive, because when you're positive, anything's possible. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Social Psychic Radio Show. Don't forget to join us for another episode next time. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a review on iTunes. You can also check us out on Facebook and don't forget to visit the Social Psychic YouTube channel. Until next time, it's a big world out there. Keep an open mind, embrace your paradigms. And know that the universe is always yours to explore.
1: At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during band practice or at
2: the dog park or wherever. Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum restrictions may apply. Subject to availability.
1: Get more ways to save at the buy five or more. Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the
0: Best Business Network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support.
2: So keep listening to ElectriCast Podcasts, and hear the culture.
0: Electric acid. Electric acid. Electric acid. Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage, behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there.
1: Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between.